is a wonderful old hymn sung by the Gaithers, uh, what do they call them, the homecoming group, and, and they have uh, for the lead singers in there was, first off was Brock Spear and the unimitable George Yuntz. I love that song. And that should set the tone for what you might figure the rest of this podcast today will be about. I'm uh, Tom Richardson, Removing Confusion Podcast. And it's time for me to tell you what the date is, just so you know. (laughs) Wednesday, August the 17th, 2022. Now, you know, every once in a while, I just get wound up. And it's easy when you uh, look around the world that, that surrounds you and, and you see the things that, you know, we talked about uh, last week with me and my buddy Mike and uh, some of the things that uh, we talked about yesterday when I came on myself, the uh, transgender stuff and the... the uh, weaponization of our federal law enforcement agencies and one that's going to grow by 87,000 agents, the IRS. That's a, that's a uniquely frightening thing to put into your mind. But, you know, it doesn't matter. They can do with us what they want. They can run us off to the camps. I don't really think that's what I want. But here's the deal. We are in a lot of untreaded, uncharted water. You know, if you've ever been lost at sea, which fortunately I've not been, 
but you know if you get out in a lake or someplace and you're and you're kind of stuck you don't know where to turn which 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 way is north you know which way is west where, where was the boat ramp you know i was i did have an interesting venture the other day i got out on the lake and then i got wrapped up with a bunch of fishing line in my trolling motor which is all i'm allowed to use on that lake and i ended up using the old oars to get me back uh you know half a mile or a mile to shore fighting in the little bit of current in the lake no you know no big deal i made it but it's it's one of those things that's kind of like wow that's a long way to go and you can look you look at the landscape around us and we say wow it's a long way to go but time marches on, and it marches quicker, it seems, by the day. We're going to talk about several things today that really bug me. And they're all concerning the state of Christianity in the church and our nation. I've got a couple of uh, clips. I'm going to play a video. Well, you know, you guys can't see this, but the, the, the audio is really compelling because this is something that we may soon have to turn to and it's called the home or house church we'll let this play this is the uh, late david wilkerson and uh you know it's playing with some music and stuff but you get the gist please Listen to what he says. Just listen, 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 listen to the words, listen to the uh, utterances of this man, of what he says, and, and consider just how truthful it is. Alrighty. Folks, if, if you're going to a church that is spiritually dead and you know Jesus is not there, the Spirit of the Lord is not at work, there's no breathing of his life, get out of it. Get out of it. Leave it. Somebody told me recently that they were sitting around a, a dining room table and suddenly everybody just started talking about Jesus and it was such, they, they said it was church. It was church. Jesus came right to the table because they were, they were talking about him. And, and, and they were there for an hour just talking about Jesus. And suddenly they realized, one person told me, I was in church. That is the church. Hallelujah. Many Christians are misinformed about the meaning of the church. They really don't understand what the church of Jesus Christ is. And I say that because of the way we measure the success of the church today. We have mega churches. We've got super churches. We've got fastest growing churches. And we look at these beautiful multi-million dollar buildings we look at the wonderful 30 40 50 acre campuses and we see churches packed with thousands and we say god must be there that must be god's church look their finances they have money in the bank they have multitudes coming that must be a very successful church jesus must be at work in that church but folks i'm so glad to inform you that that is not god's measure of success you can have multiplied thousands in church. You can have a burgeoning budget. You can have all of these things and Jesus not be in the building. Jesus not even acknowledge it that it's his. Highly esteemed among men, very successful, popular, accepted, 
but abomination in the eyes of God. Why would you ever stay in a place where Jesus wasn't there? But you see, God has discounted all of that man calls church. It's never been a part of his church. Really not been his. It's been man's, but it's never been his. He doesn't acknowledge it. In his eyes, it doesn't even exist. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Absolutely. God has never acknowledged it as his own church. <clears throat> Folks, I have hundreds of thousands on my mailing list. And probably the number one complaint of all the Christians who write to us, they say, Pastor, I can't find a church where I feel the presence of the Lord. My church is dead. What am I going to do? You might be in a place where you, you say, I can't find a church that's, that's uh, really right. Folks, if, if you're going to a church that is spiritually dead and you know Jesus is not there, the Spirit of the Lord is not at work. There's no breathing of His life. Get out of it. Get out of it. Leave it. But then you say, well, where am I going to find it? Let me, let me give you something the Holy Spirit gave me just last night. The same Spirit that's moving on you, making you disgusted with the death that you see, the same Spirit that's awakening you saying, I want more, I need more, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I want to grow in the Lord, I want to be in an atmosphere where the presence of the Lord is real. The same Spirit that's doing that in you is working on people around you. And if you will just seek Him with all your heart and pray diligently about this, say, Lord, lead me to that two or three that are feeling like I do and being moved on the Spirit like I am. Lord Jesus, lead me to them and He will let you be brought miraculously to that body. Because if you're devoted to Him, He's going to bring you to the others who are devoted to Him. You're going to find the body. He'll bring the body to you and you to the body. And though it may be only two or three, get together. Get some of our tapes if you want for the preaching. You can worship and pray. You don't need a preacher. God may send one, maybe two. You don't need a preacher, he said. Boy, that's a harsh statement coming from a preacher. He was a good one. Now, David wasn't perfect. None of us are. David had some issues as he got older, uh, but he, was a, he, he has a long legacy of solid Bible teaching. Well, he's a little too charismatic for me. Uh, shut up. You know what? People are afraid of the spirit moving in their church. They're afraid of the spirit moving in their lives. Now, I used a few verses yesterday in my podcast, fret not. Remember that? If you listen, I, I pray you did. I, I haven't paid too much attention to the numbers. But uh, uh, listen, go through the Bible and see what it says. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean shaking in fear. If you're sinning willfully, if you're doing your own thing, then you do have a, a real fear. There's a reverential fear, a, a fear that goes beyond this, you know, spirit of fear. And we need to understand that. We need to embrace it. You know, 
what is that verse? It says, uh, there's no fear of God in their eyes. The eyes of their heart. Or just, can you look at somebody and tell? They don't have a fear of God. They don't have a reverence for God. They're, they're going through the motions on a Sunday morning. And then you never see them. They make all excuses. Oh, you know, I'm old and I can't drive at night. Well, that's under, I can understand that one. Or, ah, you know, let's just don't have time. Oh, you know, we, we went out with family and family's important too. I'll tell you why people don't go back to church after their Sunday morning worship service. Most of the time, that sets a tone for them. Most of the time, there's nothing that brings them back in. They don't have what he's talked about, a hunger, a thirst. We need to pray, I guess, in our own lives, to, to like, like David Wilkerson said in this little video, in this little audio that I'm playing, that we need to pray for those that have that hunger like we do. We want more. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. That's a short one because it disturbed me when I heard it, and uh, the guy that said it is now gone. I mean gone, dead. As a human, I liked him. As a preacher, he was okay. He was uh, in our area and in the denomination. He was like a well-held and highly esteemed kind of guy because he was a teacher in a college, so to speak. Now, most of these colleges are unaccredited colleges that they turn out pastors for the certain organization. And then they stand around and talk about when I went to Bible college, I was learned, you know, and then you, then you try to get into a conversation about, you know, dispensation or, uh, prophecy. Uh, all they know is the rapture. All they know is, you know, the, the horns blowing, you know, because they don't go any deeper than that. They don't any, they don't, they, they may know, uh, some of the, First coming of Jesus. Well, don't they realize that the first coming of Jesus kind of mirrors the second one? Only the first time he came as an infant and the next time he comes as a lion. Comes as God. He comes as a king. Now, I got off on a little bit there. But anyway, this fellow gets up there in front of the church and he... he gives a, a message, you know, and he's going on and on. Now, what happens with these older guys? These guys have been around 30, 40 years, you know, 50, whatever. And they, they, they have a lot of opinions. They have, they have pretty much a lot of them have a really high opinion of themselves. But they try to play the humble role. Oh, I'm just a humble, I'm just a humble preacher, just a, just a little guy just, you know, doing God's will, uh, trying to, Preach the word, you know, and they do, they usually do fairly well. But this guy said something that my wife and I both, I I snapped my finger, but you couldn't hear it. Just, it's like it hit both of us. And uh, at the time, she was sitting a few pews away from me. We, we, uh, We do that sometimes on Sunday morning 
have a special guy. I just go sit in the back pew. I don't want to interrupt anything. And that's neither here nor there. But I was sitting back, and it was like we both, I mean, we talked about it when we got in the car, and it was like, did you hear what he said about home Bible study? He said it shouldn't happen. This highly respected, vaunted, you know, teacher in a Christian college or whatever made the statement openly. And I, I would imagine because these guys, what they do is it's not his church. He's, he's just floating through and catching a check. He's preached this message more than once. He's thrown that opinion out more than once. He's infiltrated into other churches where he's been allowed to preach and said this more than once, that he felt that home churches or house Bible study, home Bible studies shouldn't happen. You just got a bunch of laymen. I hate when they say that because it's a put down. It's not a, hey, he's a layman, you know, but he really knows what he's talking about. No. You know what? You know who's a layman? Here's what I say is a layman. Is a layman is the guy who tries to put himself up there as look at me with my Bible credential colleges, but I don't know anything. He's a layman. If you haven't, if you've been in the Bible for 20, 30 years, but all you've done is read it. You haven't really tried to dig a little deeper, get a little bit more uh, of the, see the Bible's layers and layers and layers of depth. And it's not for everybody to grasp it all. None of us do. None of us grasp it all. But we do have that duty, in my, re, in my estimation, to try to find out what God's trying to tell us so we can share it fluently and effectively with others. But you have a guy that will stand up there with his big college degree talking to people who unfortunately are not all that biblically astute He'll sit there and tell them, well, you, you shouldn't be doing home Bible studies. You shouldn't meet together like Wilkerson said in this video, this audio that played you. I keep saying that. But you understand that some people just got together for dinner. Or maybe they were just, you know, having a get-together at somebody's house for coffee. And then all of a sudden, the, the subject of God, the subject of Jesus came up. And the next thing they knew, they said, hey, we were having church. We were feeling the spirit move. We could tell that for the first time in so long, when we gathered together with others, that God's presence was in the room. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I, I could, I've been in churches, many of them, where it's like man's movement is in the room, but God's is far from us. A lot of guys, and it doesn't, it's not denominational. 
excuse me, it's not denominational. A lot of these preachers go off to these seminaries. I love how Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill said, they go off to get a big head full of knowledge, come back with a shrunken skull. Because they're taught how to go down the denominational road. Don't ever veer away from it. i got a friend. I haven't conversed with him for quite some time, but his name is Pastor David Lankford, who is a Church of God uh, pastor, Pentecostal side. And he went on a fast for so 40 days. He said 40 days without any food. And he said, God, I'm going to fast until, you know, you move on me and let me know, you know, what you want me to go forward with. And at the end of it, he, he, he came out with, I'm making a long story short, he said God moved on him strongly to study the scriptures more, and he found out the pre-tribulation rapture ain't in the, ain't in the Bible. The seven years of tribulation that you see in the movies and hear from the pulpits of 99% of the churches out there, yeah, let's go 95%, isn't there. It's three and a half years, a time, times, and half a time. You can't find it. Seven years, it's not there. The great tribulation is not there. It just says, Jesus says, there will be great tribulation like there has never been since or before or since. And if he hadn't shortened the days, no flesh would survive. Not the great tribulation, just great tribulation. And you should know when it's going to get ready to kick in because Second Thessalonians, which I've talked about many times, and I'm way off where my notes would take me, says, that day shall not come upon you until the wicked one is revealed. And the church should know. You know, Paul didn't write, my friend and I, Mike, were chatting a little bit ago. Paul didn't write to unbelievers. He wrote to people who had been, I'll use the word, converted. And then he discipled them. It was up to them to go to the unbelievers in their area and bring them into the church. And when Paul was in the area, I'm sure he did his bit because he was the missionary that God sent out to the Gentile nation. But those books, those books, those epistles that are written and the way they're written are not written for unbelievers to pick it up and understand. Most of the unbelievers and a lot of believers read these things and they don't get it because they don't study it. They don't try to plug two and two together to make four. They try to do this new math where two and two could be whatever it wants to be. Get a good Bible. It doesn't have to be an expensive one. Don't get a Schofield. Don't get a Darby. You can go to knockdown stores we we have a place called ollie's we i I bought bible that i have downstairs at my desk for 11 bucks it's one of the best bibles i've ever used and i got one in front of me that i paid a quarter for at a thrift store a quarter king james version big print 
with study helps, not not paragraphs of some man's uh, breakdown of everything, but just, you know, this verse has a similar verse. It's called chain reference, and it's not like the Thompson chain reference is a very, you know, that's a pretty expensive and very intense Bible, the Thompson chain reference Bible. It's a good Bible uh, for the most part. I do prefer stripped-down versions, though. I just like where, you know, they may give me some things like what we're going to look at today. I'm, I'm looking at, I'll just give you an idea of this Bible I have in my hand. Uh, and it's talking in Matthew 13 about the sower. And, uh, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. And then it has a little footnote down here. Fowls just means birds. And it says birds. Because, you know, sometimes people, what's a fowl? You know, I thought that was like a baseball term. Now, in Matthew 13, if you have a Bible and you want to go there, if you don't read it later, please, this entire chapter fits together like a puzzle. But we're only going to look at something. And why I'm doing this is because you sit in churches, many of you, and I already said it, these preachers go on and on with their stories and their their little illustrations. You know, you you're not smart enough to for me to take the Bible and break it down for you. So I'm just going to give you stories and illustrations, and 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 then you'll understand. You'll be able to handle it uh, because here's what they say: If you question today's pastors, they'll say things like, "Oh well, Jesus taught in parables, and what's a parable? It's nothing but a story." I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you, friends. Listen to me. And I know I've got some friends that listen. Hopefully some family members. Friends, listen to me. Matthew 13, we're going to start in verse number 10. And the disciples came, because he'd, he'd already told one parable, okay? He's, you know, Jesus went out of the house. This is verse number one. Great multitudes gathered together in him and he sat them down and he, and he, he stood on shore and, and he said many things he spoke to them unto them in parables so Jesus, Jesus is doing the parable thing we know he did you know parable of the prodigal son this is the sower wheat and tares and the mustard tree anyway verse 10 and the disciples came and said unto him why speakest thou unto them in parables that's a good question I mean now here's the thing there is a prophecy, of course, that backs up why he spoke to them in, prophet, in, in parables. And that prophecy, I believe, is in, in Isaiah. But that's for, that's for another day. He answered them, verse 11, he answered them and said unto them, because it is given unto you, you disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But to whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore I speak, therefore speak I to them 
in parables because seeing, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. That means grown cold. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. All right, preacher, pastor, minister, evangelist. I covered them all. If you are telling your flock or your group or whatever that you, you're using stories because Jesus used stories, a parable is not really a story. And uh, that's, we can back that up. You know, the parables are actually, I don't want to say curse, but they, they were, the, in, this, in this regard, kind of are, aren't they? Because he's telling them, I speak to them because it's up to you. You are my disciples. It's up to you to understand. And I'm going to make sure you understand. But to, un, but to them, the unbelieving, the uncaring, the uh, the uh all the other things that they are. It's not for them to know because their heart is far from me. Their heart is hard. And he knew their state of their heart. Let me ask you something, preacher, pastor, evangelist. Do you really know the hearts of your people? Do you have that much discernment and spiritual? Most guys don't. You have that much discernment and spiritual insight that you know the heart of your people. Now, sometimes, you know, we we all get a little hard. But Jesus isn't talking about a sometimes here and there we get a little flustered, mad, or whatever. He's talking about a These people were far cold, far cold. Uh, 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 Let's see what it says here. A parable is the placing of one thing by the side of another as of ships in battle. Comparing comparison of one thing with another, likeness, similitude, the example by which a doctrine or precept is illustrated. Now, you'll hear guys also say, oh, well, you can't make make doctrine from parables that Jesus spoke. But the Bible also tells us that all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed, therefore good for exhortation, doctrine, and an I can't remember it all because that's that's off the top of my head. So what's the problem? 
with the churches? What's the problem with the death that we see around us? What is causing this dropping off in um, numbers? Now, the people are dying. I mean, that's happened. It happened, happens in all churches. You know, there's a, there's a lot of cancer. There's a lot of heart problems. And there's folks that, I'm sorry, they, they end up dis- disabled enough that they can't make it to a, a, a multitude of services. Illness will happen in the elderly. But there's other people who have every ability I mean, maybe they could walk to church and they don't make it. Or there's a bus that'll pick them up, but they won't take it. I mean, I'm talking about the church bus, but they won't take it. Why? There's just nothing there for them. Are they stuck at home watching the Heggies and the David Jeremiah's? I've got guys that tell me, oh, i I, I got to watch David Jeremiah and see what he thinks. I'm going to tell you what he thinks. He thinks you're going to go through seven years of tribulation and you'll be under, in heaven eating all kinds of food. The earth will be under all kinds. People don't understand any of that. That's too much for today. That's too much to go into today. I'm not going to do that study until I'm really up on it. God loves us all, no matter what our dispensational beliefs are, as long as they're not heretical. Some of them are dangerous, but, you know, they're not all heretical. Uh, I've got another, I've got another, uh, this is a few minutes long clip that I'm going to play. But uh, much to my misfortune, I forget which button I put this under. So bear with. Let's try this one. You know, this is what's fun about doing this live on my end. I can always clean it up later. But, you know, I'm not going to. I'm just going to let it play. That's not it. Nope, that's not it. See how I do this? I, I it's to, It's to keep you all engaged. What do you think the great threat is to the church in our generation? I'm going to start that over again. I'm sorry about the other ones, folks. Uh, Usually I make a note of where I have a board that's very complicated. Not really. It's got big buttons on it, but they don't, they're not marked for me. And I I just did this thing as a whim and a will. And uh, this is a guy by the name of Paul Washer. He's a, he's an evangelist. He's a missionary. Actually, he's been around the world. Uh, in a lot of places, and I believe he's a Baptist even, which, you know, usually for me that's like, but he he has an ability to drop the hammer when it needs to be dropped. I mean, and, and in the parlance of the young folks today, this is one of those mic drop moments, MIC, microphone, where he just lays it out there. He, he doesn't seem to care how many people listen to him because they're mad at what he said. And neither do I anymore. 
I really do want to reach people, but I want to reach them with the truth. I don't want to reach people with some mealy-mouthed, half-wit gospel that's not really the gospel at all. It doesn't give the full scope of what Christ put forth for you, what Paul, Peter, John, James, all the prophets put forth for you. Some of it's not easy to listen to. Some of it's not easy to read. It says in the book of Matthew somewhere that if you fall on this rock, it will break you. If this rock falls on you, it'll grind you to powder. It's up to you. Would you rather be a little broken or ground to powder? Let's let's see what Brother Paul has to say. And I, I hope I remember what button it was. Just <laughs> I got on a rant. What do you think the greatest threat is to the church in our generation? It's pastors. <laughs> Honestly. The pastors. God has given three offices, I believe, to the church. Evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Wherever you see a weak church, you see these weak men. Either they're non-existent, they're unbiblical, or they're unconverted. And all this talk about the judgment on our country because of its immoralities and everything else, never forget judgment always begins with the household of God. That's a very important point, and I'm going to talk about it in this video, but let's keep watching. I am astounded at the lack of the fear of the Lord and the lack of biblical knowledge among those who would call themselves the ministers of Christ. And, um, I mean, the atrocities that have happened in America in evangelicalism, just in the pulpit itself, the tomfoolery, the lack of reverence. Uh, if you have a church that's not a praying church, it's because you, you have non-praying elders. Um, the church is not biblical is because you have non-biblical elders. It always goes back to, so when I look at the nation, I'm not blaming some party or professors or this or that. I'm looking at myself as a minister of Christ. And, and that's a very solemn, that, that's why someone shouldn't enter into the ministry very lightly. And, you know, we could say all kinds of other things, but it all does come back to that. We could say liberalism, which is true. We could say even a greater, more dangerous thing that's a secret, hidden liberalism is when men affirm that the Bible is inerrant, but their whole ministry is nothing but pragmatism. All you young men need to understand something. All this talk about Reformation the last 15 years. The Reformers didn't want to be Reformers. They just want to be biblical, number one. Number two, you're not reformed simply because you've adopted an academic view of some sort of sovereign grace soteriology. You're following in the spirit of the reformers because you're trying to take every aspect of your thought, your doctrine, your disposition, your life, your family, your church, and submitting it to what is written. If I stopped at the first two seconds, 
it would have said enough. What's wrong with the church today? Why are the churches dying? Why are the churches falling into disrepair? I mean, spiritually. It's the pastors. He says, it's the pastors. Now, you can take his opinion as far as you want. You can take my opinion as far as you want. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Are you hungry for more? Are you thirsty for more? Do you walk away from the church saying, well, I got what I needed. I fulfilled my obligation to God for the week. I threw a 20 in the plate or the buck or the ones that really have it. And there's, I'm going to do the full tithe and I'm going to make sure that I buy my way in. You're not going to do it, brother. Matthew twenty one forty two. This this is a reference I made a minute ago, and I, I like to uh, back up what I bring out. Jesus said unto them, "Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is." marvelous in our eyes it is marvelous in our eyes that's jesus saying that to the pharisees why did he have because you know he'd been doing his parable thing again he was doing his parables and they they couldn't understand him that was the guys that Jesus told his disciples, you know, it's not for them to understand because they're cold. They've dropped way off. These are the pastors of the day, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people who had a lot to lose financially and powerfully if this Jesus character that's in their midst really starts to pull people away from them and starts to preach his gospel, which is his, it actually is his gospel. It's his story. He's the son of God. And Jesus says again, Matthew 21 and 43, as we continue, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Oh, man, that's hard, that's hard talk. The Jews at that point, Israel at that point, was the nation that had the oracles of God. They had the truth. No, it was Old Testament, right? what we call the Old Testament. They called the Tanakh, the Law and the Prophets. But he's saying that that's going to be taken from you. The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now, it says earlier, right, that Jesus says uh, the, the cornerstone that they've, the head of the corner, 
This is a stone that the builders rejected. It's him. It's Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. They rejected him. With that rejection, they didn't just fall on it and be broken. They had it fall on them. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When the chief priests, Pharisees, heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them, but when they sought to lay hands on him, they they, uh, feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The, The multitude did. They wanted to kill him right there. Matthew 21. Do you want to be able to say, well, I fell on this stone and he did, he broke me. I fell on this stone and the truth broke out of me all the junk that I'd been taught that was wrong. Whether it be in the the public educational system Uh, the college that I went to, whether it's secular or biblical. When I fell on that stone, when I found the truth, when the truth, as it says in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. When I got to that position, when I got to that where I finally saw the truth, I fell on it and it broke me. I don't want to be the one where that truth falls on me and grinds him to powder. There's a rabbit trail I didn't plan on going down. But, you know, all rabbit trails sometimes are good because it brings us back to the fact that Who were the big problems back in Jesus' day? Well, guess what? It was the religious elite, the doctors, the lawyers, the guys who had it all, supposedly knew it all, carried the oracles of God in their their minds, in their brain, but it never really quite leaked down into their heart. Guys who studied scripture from the time they were children, old enough to read, old enough to hear the truth and understand it. These were these were men, you, you know, probably from 13 up or more, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know what the age group was for beginning Bible study in the ancient Hebrew um religion but from a very young age these men specifically these pharisaicals and these levites uh which was the chief priests the scribes these the scribes wrote the bible now they they didn't you know they rewrote it's what i should say they had the parchments on one side or the scroll and another blank one over here and they just copied it Now, you can write something over and over again to the point where it's got to get into your brain. 
it, it's, it made them so they, they knew scriptures inside out in their brain. But my goodness, it never leaked down into their chest. It never, as they say, into their spirit. They didn't get it there. It stopped right at their neck. They had a lot of head knowledge and no heart knowledge. And you'll see that in the church today. Oh, you'll have guys that can turn on to tears when they want to. I've seen all kinds of them. Pentecostals, Baptists. The guys in the middle there, they, they kind of don't do that so much. They just, you know, you can hear them warble a little bit, but they, they don't really lose it. But we have put on shows. I've been part of it. Not in my preaching. When I preach, I preach. It's not a show. I don't want to be caught in that. And I don't get to do it that often anymore. But God has allowed it. He's put me into places where I can bring the word of God to people who need it that are hungry. And they walk away. I, I pray I walk away satisfied and happy. Folks, we're coming down to the pipe. Is it the pike? What are they going to do to us in the very near future? Are the lockdowns coming again or the lockouts? Do you remember the last one back there in 2020? Close the churches. Now, some of them were gutsy and stayed open. But for the most part, close the churches. We'll do live streaming so you can sit at home and watch. We don't want anybody getting sick. Now, here's the thing. If you're sick, don't go anywhere anyway. That's just common sense. I know some people lack a lot of common sense. But it it killed the churches, a lot of them. It really ripped the guts right out of them because people got used to sitting at home for months. Even weeks will do it to people. And then you almost have to beg them back in. Oh, good Lord, if somebody gets sick, it's almost impossible. Well, they're not vaccinated. They are vaccinated. Still getting sick, but I, you know, I can't take a chance. I don't want to get sick again. Trust me, folks, you're going to get sick again. But if they lock us out again, oh, are they going to leave the pot, pot shops, the... Uh, the booze, booze emporiums, they'll be open. Walmart will be open. They sell booze too. Maybe they'll start selling pot. Home Depot will be open. Why? Because they pay the money. And then they'll, you know, some of them will try to say, well, we're not going to sell you any, you know, paint because you shouldn't be painting your house or something. God, can you believe the things that they did to us? And they're getting ready, I think, to do it again. Are you spiritually strong enough to withstand another round of this stuff? Are you ready for another round? Are you willing to stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing it this time. We're not going to wear the ineffective masks and look idiotic. We're not going to uh, shun our neighbors and our friends and family. Uh Uh-uh. We're going full force into this one, and we'll fight it. 
Or are you just going to capitulate and say, oh, let's stay at home and watch Haggy? Home churches are not the devil's brood. I have a good friend over in the Columbus area. His name's John Haller. And uh, you've heard me talk about him a lot. He's, he does a prophecy update, and he does some preaching. And he's, he's, a, he's a guy that's in, in a lot of demand. He does a lot of podcasts with people and stuff. Him and their pastor who passed away back in 20, his name's Steve Mitchell, they started their church as a house church. I think my buddy John actually got kicked out of the denomination or the church that he was in because he started to see things happening, and he brought it to him. And he says, look, you know, this stuff you're doing, it's basically, it's getting close to the what the H word, heretical. You shouldn't be listening to these false teachers and, and, and pastorettes. Shouldn't be selling books in the library like the shack. And I don't want to put too many words in my buddy's mouth, but I, I, I just got to say that they started a very lively church. And it's not Pentecostal or anything by any stretch, but that's very lively and the people are engaged and the people are learning in that church things that they would never learn in another church somewhere else. And it's not for everybody. Because it's not like a gigantic mega church thing. But they did the right thing. They got together with like minded people and they started their church. It's called Fellowship Bible Chapel. You can look them up on the internet, YouTube, I think Rumble and all that kind of stuff. But I encourage you to go look them up, Bible Chapel, right? Fellowship Bible Chapel in uh, Columbus area, Ohio. I think it's actually in Sunbury now. Look at their older stuff even, specifically the Steve Mitchell stuff. He is was just a, a master in the way that he could keep your attention and when you got done, you learned something. This is a guy that, that spent a lot of time in, in places that most of us don't ever want to be. But he he really touched hearts. And he was a he was a, he was he was a he was he was one of those guys that he, he was nice. But yet he wasn't afraid to tell the truth. And that's where we are lacking in this world of Christianity today is the truth is getting left out of a lot of stuff. And there's other places you can go and find people. But I'm not saying to substitute that for your experience of gathering together in fellowship with one another. But you can use the things you learn to question stuff. And drives you deeper and deeper into this book that I got laid open in front of me, the Bible. You want to know, wow, how did I miss what he's talking about? And, you know, just like Paul, when he went to 
Berea. He said the Bereans are more noble than the others because they checked behind Paul to see if what he said was true. I, I tell you right now, you go behind me when I do, well, like I did today, ranting and raving, and look and see if I'm lying. If I am, then don't listen to me anymore or send me a message. I Please do that and say, wow, uh, I don't really agree with what you said there and why are you playing this video and that, or that thing, you know. Well, because I found it to be very compelling for the age that we are in that Laodicean age where it's lukewarm at best and dead at worst. How do we get around this? Prayer, Bible study, education. And I don't mean go off to college. If you feel like that's what you need to do as a young person, then I say do it. But as one who hasn't, and I, I've found the teachers that get me there, it's all you need. Good teachers, back it up with scripture, and go from there. Until next time, Tom Richardson with the Moving Confusion Podcast. You have a great day and a great rest of your week. Goodbye.